Good evening, everybody. And don't change the channel. You have the right channel. This is 62 Who Knew? And I am filling in this evening for your host, Michael Banner, who is sick as a dog. So, Michael, I hope you're feeling better. And I hope I can fill your shoes and take care of the audience for you this evening. So, everybody, I hope you had a wonderful weekend. And uh, we're smack in the middle of football season. We've got baseball going on and all kinds of sports going on. I love sports. And I just, the one highlight I wanted to bring it up is, and I'm not even a Chicago Bears fan, okay? I actually wanted Denver to win that game. Did you see Eddie Pinero with that 53-yard miraculous kick to win the game in like five seconds to go? It was absolutely wonderful. The kid is, it's a wonderful story. Uh, he went to the University of Florida. He's a Gator. And he went, signed with the Raiders. He was undrafted and he signed with them. And he got hurt in spring training last year. And he didn't even kick the whole year. And then they got another kicker in Oakland. And they wanted to sign him. And then Eddie got traded over to Chicago. And he comes on over to Chicago, and look what happens. The guy is doing a phenomenal job two weeks in a row, and last week with the miraculous 53-yard kick. Good for you, Eddie, and congratulations, Chicago, so you don't go 0-2. All right. Now I would like to thank uh, our last guest that was on was Colin Castle, who's the sales director at Homestead Senior Care. I love Homestead. A lot of my clients in Medicare use Homestead. So, Colin, you're doing a fantastic job. It's so important to help all of our people who need help at home to do all their daily activities. So check episode 50 if you missed Colin Castle to learn more about Home Instead Senior Care. Tonight, what are we going to talk about? We're going to be talking about Medicare. Yes, we are. And the first thing I want to bring up to talk to you about is for all of you who are on Medicare and Medicaid, What's coming up is October 1st, and CMS changed the regulations this year for people that are on Medicare and Medicaid. You used to be able to change Medicare Advantage plans whenever you wanted, month to month, and CMS changed that this year that you were only allowed to change plans per quarter, and you can only do it three times during the year. So you were able to change from January into April, and then from April, May, and June for July 1st, and then from July 1st, to September 30th to be active for October 1st. And then the fourth quarter, you cannot change. You have to remain on your Medicare Medicaid plan until January of 2020, unless you have a special election. So if any of you are Medicare or Medicaid plans, you have got to decide to change now within 14 days. You have 14 days to change your plan for an October 1st effective date. Otherwise, you have to wait and go through the annual enrollment like everybody else to get on a plan for January of 2020, barring another special election period. So that's really important. I want to make sure you know that because a lot of people don't remember that change that is occurring right now. So check your plan. See if there's another plan that you think it would be better for you. And most of the time, it has to do with the supplemental benefits. A lot of times, it has to do with eyeglasses coverage, hearing aids, or dental coverage. So check that out. And if you do like to make a change, call your Medicare specialist 
and get on a new plan for October 1st. All right, so that's my many mini tip for today. And now we're going to talk about a very controversial subject, and that is Medicare for all. If you want to talk about controversial, this is it, folks. Uh, last week, the Democrats, the candidates were up on the stage, and they talked a lot about health care, and they're talking a lot about Medicare for all. Do you even know what Medicare for all means? It's tough, okay, because when it's a politician talking, okay, it can be a lot of things because they never give you the straight deal. They never tell you exactly what's going on. So I'm going to tell you that Medicare for all, in its broadest sense, I just want to make this simple for you. So simply, Medicare for all is going to be about a single payer. What does that mean? A single payer is going to be a single public agency. So we're talking about the federal government. The federal government as a single payer. It wants to provide universal health coverage. That means for every man, woman, and child is going to receive health care coverage. And also under the Medicare for All, they want to abolish private insurance. So all private insurance would be gone off the table. Everyone would be covered under the single payer Medicare for all program. So that's what Medicare for all is in its simplest way to explain it to you. Now, out of all the Democratic candidates that were on the stage last week, the two candidates that are following that Medicare for all to a T are just two candidates. That is uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, okay, from Vermont. He's the one that introduced the bill back in 2016. And then we have Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. So Sanders and Warren, both of them are on their platform encouraging the Medicare for all to move forward for our health care. So that's two out of the ten. Then we have Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang is a businessman. And he says, yes, he wants there to be universal coverage for everybody. And yes, he would like to see a single payer. But no, he doesn't want to see private health insurance abolished. Okay, so I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible, people. Okay, because as we move forward and the groups get smaller, there's going to be changes on their platform about this. But this is where we stand right now today so that you can follow along because it gets so convoluted and they make it crazy. Politicians make everything crazy. So then we got Andrew Yang. Now we got a little group and we've got Booker, right? Senator Booker. We've got Mayor Pete. Because I'm going to just crucify your name. I'm so sorry, Mayor. I think it's Buttigieg. But if I crucified it, I'm really sorry. I hate to pronounce people's names wrong. I do it a lot. I'm just going to call you Mayor Pete. All right. Then we've got Castro, okay, who used to be the HUD secretary. And then we have Senator Harris. And the four of them are more together with the Medicare for all. They're talking about Medicare for all. And yes, they want universal coverage for everybody. 
Okay, but they're not talking about, uh, yes, we want a single payer, and no, we don't want to eliminate and abolish health insurance. Okay, they haven't committed on those two parts of the criteria for Medicare for all, but they're all about universal coverage. As a matter of fact, they're all for universal coverage because what are you going to do if you're one person out of the 10? I'm not for universal coverage. Of course, they're all going to be for universal coverage. All right. They're all saying the same thing. All 10 of them want universal coverage. Every man, woman and child should be receiving health care. Now we've got Vice President Biden. We've got Beto O'Rourke. And then we've got Senator. And again, here's another name. I hope I don't crucify your name, Senator. It's Klobuchan. I hope I got that right, Senator. I apologize in advance. Now, they don't really talk about Medicare for all. They're not saying they're on the Medicare for all wagon. Okay, again, they want universal health care coverage for everybody, but they're not promoting that Medicare for all theme. Okay, that sounds so good to people when they're putting out their surveys. That sounds good, right? Medicare for all. That's very positive. That sounds good. Universal health coverage. That sounds good. Everybody's in favor of that. But as soon as you put up something like a single payer, it's got a negative connotation. We don't really know what that means. Well, now their surveys start dipping. So depending on how you spin this and you put the positive language, that's where you're going to see all these surveys and polls coming out. The more positive language, more people are going to be for it because it sounds good. So Vice President Biden, uh, Beto O'Rourke and Senator Klobuchar are, of course, they want universal health care, but they're not on the Medicare for all wagon and they are progressive. This is a new thing, too, like progressive. We're progressive. We want to make changes to what we have already. All right. Let's make changes to Obamacare. Make it better. Okay, so they're more along on that side, but trying to get that universal health care coverage for everybody. So that's kind of where the Democrat candidates stand right now with Medicare for all. And if you just remember the three criteria I told you, that'll give you a good idea what it's about. A single payer, so we're talking about the federal government. We're talking about uh, universal health care coverage for every man, woman, and child. And we're talking about abolishing private health insurance. That's in general what it means. Now, in 2019, remember, uh, Bernie Sanders' bill came out in 2016. So here in 2019, a uh, uh, Republican, uh, I'm saying that wrong, it's Representative uh, Jayapal Pramila, who's a Democrat out of Washington, uh, was the sponsor for the Medicare for All Act of 2019, which is a very, very similar mirror to Sanders' Medicare for All bill in 2016. They do have a little bit more added to it. And this is just a summary that I have prepared for you. This is not the entire bill, but I just want to give you a little bit of the summary so you get a little bit of understanding what's going on. So this bill would establish a national health insurance program that is administered by the Department of Health and Human Services. And that department is what covers CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Among other requirements, the program must. So number one, it's going to cover all U.S. residents. Now, I find that very interesting. Okay, it doesn't say U.S. citizens, it says U.S. residents. So that means in addition to United States citizens, if a person is legally resides here, then they would also be covered 
under this Medicare for All Act of 2019 which has not been specifically defined yet. Uh, Both bills are leaving that up to the secretary to define that. So that's interesting right there. Okay, number two, it should provide for automatic enrollment of individuals upon birth or residency in the United States. So meaning going forward as a person is born in the United States or they become a resident of the United States, they would automatically be enrolled in the Medicare for All Act of 2019. And number three, it would cover all items and services that are medically necessary or appropriate to maintain health or to diagnose, treat, or rehabilitate a health condition, including hospital services, prescription drugs, mental health, substance abuse treatment, dental and vision services and long-term care. Now, a big difference between that component and Medicare as it stands now, Medicare does not have coverage for dental, vision meaning eyeglasses, or hearing aids. I don't know what happened in 1965. We just must have had the most perfect health congressmen and a few women that were in Congress in 1965 because they never thought to add eyeglasses, hearing aids, or dental care into Medicare. So they want to add that now into this Medicare for All Act of 2019. So that would be different. Also, long-term care. Long-term care is we're talking about your daily activities of daily living, okay? It's going to the bathroom, getting dressed, eating, bathing yourself, and also transporting yourself from the bed to the living room in the chair, from the chair to the kitchen, things like that. These are activities we all do every day. When people aren't able to do them, they may need someone to help them with that. And a person could come in, like an LPN, uh, an RN comes in to check your vital signs and take care of you medically. But most of those type of services are not covered by Medicare. So in this act, they're talking about including that into coverage. It's sounding really good so far, right? It's sounding really good. And then, of course, it has what Medicare has already, which is to diagnose, treat, or rehabilitate a health condition medically necessary, right? And we say that because if you decide to have a nose job because you think your nose is too big, that's elective surgery. That's something you'd like to do on your own. That is not covered by Medicare, Okay, but if you fell and you think you broke your arm, yeah, you're going to go in to diagnose to see if you have a fracture, okay, or if it it was a bad sprain. Or you're going to go in and you're going to get a pneumonia shot, a preventative shot so you don't get pneumonia. All these type of things are covered under Medicare that are medically necessary, okay? So right now it's sounding pretty good. The bill, the Medicare for All Act of 2019, would prohibit cost sharing, meaning there would be no deductibles, there would be no co-insurance, there would be no co-payments, which we do currently have under Medicare. There are deductibles on original Medicare under Part A. If you were going to be an inpatient in the hospital overnight, you have a deductible. It's a $1,364 deductible. Whether you are going to be an inpatient overnight for one night, or you're going to be staying as an inpatient overnight for 60 straight nights in a row. That is your deductible for Part A. Also, on Part B, which is your outpatient coverage, 
there's a annual $185 deductible. And after that, there is a 20% cost that you'd be responsible for of the Medicare allowable amount. So if you went to visit a doctor after you paid your $185 Part B deductible, if the Medicare allowable charge was $100, Medicare pays 80%, which is $80, and you would be responsible for the remaining 20%, which is $20. That's how Medicare works now. What they're stating under this Medicare for All Act of 2019 is that those deductibles, those coinsurance and copayments would be gone. Okay, no cost out of pocket for you. Still sounding really good, right? Additionally, uh, private health insurers and employers may only offer coverage that is supplemental to and does not duplicate the benefits that are provided under the program. No private insurance. So no company could duplicate the benefits that would be covered under the Medicare for All Act of 2019. They could add a supplemental benefit, something that's not covered under the insurance program, but not the benefits that are already covered. Also, uh, it also implements provisions relating to health care provider participation. HHS, which is the Health and Human Service Administration, and payments and costs, including the requirement to negotiate prices for prescription drugs a big flaw in Medicare right now because the government, the federal government does not negotiate prescription drugs with the pharmaceutical companies. So they're looking to add that into this act for the Medicare for all act to negotiate with big farm to try to save you out of pocket costs with prescription drugs, which is horrendous. Most of the problems that I have with my clients, they call me is about the cost of their prescription drugs. Who could forget what happened two years ago when the EpiPen went absolutely ballistic, right? All of a sudden, the price of an EpiPen went up 700%, and people who need that EpiPen for life-saving measures couldn't even afford to get the EpiPen because it was so much money. And because those squeaky wheels went crazy, the government stepped in, and then they were telling them, what the heck is wrong with you? Okay, fix this. And what did they do? They came out with their own generic which came out to be the original price of the earlier EpiPen, and they still kept that EpiPen on there, costing so much money. But this is a big problem right now we have in Medicare, people, is that we don't have the drug prescription prices that are negotiated. Big pharmaceutical companies are huge lobbyists for politicians, and I think that has a lot to do with it, don't you? If they're putting out a lot of money and helping out with politicians... Uh, should I continue to let them help me with my political career or should we help the citizens of the United States and bring down prescription drug prices? Hmm. What do you think's happening? Okay. So that's what we're looking at. Also, they're talking about if you're 18 or younger, age 55 or older, or already enrolled in Medicare. So you would be already be on Medicare right now. You may enroll in the program starting one year after the enactment of the bill. After. Other individuals may buy into the program at this time. So a year after the bill is enacted, 
people could also optionally buy into the Medicare for All program. The program must be fully implemented two years after enactment. Two years. Okay, let's take a look at this. Right now with Medicare, Medicare pays out about close to $400 billion a year, okay? Close to $400 billion a year. They pay out about 63%, give or take, to your providers, which are for your doctors, to the hospitals, to dialysis centers, uh, your oxygen carriers for durable medical equipment, where you go to physical therapy. Okay, all the providers and facilities that are contracted under Medicare, about 67% Medicare pays out to them. The remaining uh, 33 to 37% gets paid to the Part C insurance sponsors, which are your Medicare Advantage programs, and your uh, prescription drug carrier programs. So we're talking about they get paid like $250 billion a year. $250 billion from Medicare. It's insane, okay? So they're paying out that much money to your providers and to the insurance carriers. Now, for the entire amount of health care, it is trillions and trillions of dollars each year for everyone under 65, including the people that are on Medicare. It is a huge portion of our budget goes to health care. So how do they think they are going to fund Medicare for all in two years? and start having people utilize the benefits in two years. When Medicare started in 1965, it took them a year back then to be able to get it funded enough to start allowing slowly people to utilize the benefits. And President Truman at the time and his wife, Bess, were the first recipients of Medicare. And it wasn't until a year later. And it would take years after that to become fully funded Okay, where they could uh, utilize its members for the people that were 65 and older to utilize Medicare benefits. We're talking about 325 million people in the United States. 44 million are on Medicare right now. About 44 million. And tomorrow, an additional 10,000 will be on Medicare because for now, for the next, like, 10 to 15 years every day, 10,000 people are turning 65. I'm not even counting the people who have been on disability for 24 months and then automatically become eligible for Medicare. And for people that have Lou Gehrig's disease, people that have end-stage renal disease who need dialysis or kidney transplants, all of these types of people can get on Medicare. So we're talking about over 44 million people on Medicare right now. But how are you going to add another over 275 million people on Medicare for all in two years and have it funded? I don't think you could do it. I don't think you could do it. I think it would be total chaos in this country. Let's take a look at something. Right now, under FICA, which is your uh, Federal Insurance uh, Contribution Act, 
right? You pay a tax for Social Security and for Medicare, and your employer matches it. So you're paying for Social Security, it's 6.2% tax out of your paycheck, and Medicare, you pay 1.45% out of your paycheck, and your employer matches that, okay? 6.2 and 1.45, what are we looking at? 7.65% in taxes out of your paycheck, each paycheck. 20, let's see, I think it was 2011 is when Vermont tried to become the first state to utilize a single-payer universal health coverage for the state of Vermont, for all of its residents in the state of Vermont. That's what they wanted to do. And they tried real hard to put this together. I know uh, the governor at the time was really wanting to implement this program. A lot of the politicians in the state of Vermont wanted this to be a go. And they worked like crazy to try to put this together, but they couldn't figure out how to fund it. And when they figured out that they were going to have to increase the payroll and income tax, income tax was like going to be around an additional 9.5%, give or take. And payroll taxes was going to be an additional 11.5%. They said there's no way. The shock would be absolutely devastating to the people of Vermont, and they couldn't do it. Who knew? It could be a, it could be a mutiny, right? So they couldn't do it. They had to drop it. I know the governor was apologizing. He could, it was the biggest disappointment of his career. Not verbatim, but more or less, you know, that, that's what he was saying. So this is going to be a way more, okay, than 9.5 and 11.5% to have to fund a Medicare for all to get this thing funded. As a matter of fact, there were, there's many uh, different groups out there that have ran the numbers to try to get estimates of how much this is going to cost to fund this. And one group, the Urban Institute, said that over the, the next 10 years, it would take over $32 trillion a year to try to get this thing funded. And then there was an economist, uh, his name is Kenneth Thorpe, from Emory Riddle, uh, Emory Riddle, I think is Emory Riddle University, I think so. Okay, he estimated that it would be about thirty-two point six, thirty-two point seven trillion dollars, and that even if they doubled, okay, our uh, payroll and income tax, there's no way they would be able to do it. Okay, no way they'd be able to do it. Think about it. I just told you it's six point two. And then it was 1.45. So now you're looking at almost 3% on the Medicare side, and then you would be looking at 12.5% on Social Security side. This guy said there's no way that you'd be able to do it. So I agree with him. I agree, I agree, I agree. No way, Jose, that you'd be able to cover this. I'm saying I'm looking that you would have to be adding probably close to 20%, okay, add about 20% to people's uh, payroll taxes in order for them to even start making this a reality. Insane. Now, Senator Sanders would say, but the administrative costs, and we would save billions, billions in administrative costs. So you think about a hospital. In the hospital, you've got workers there 
who are not providing health care or treating patients and things like that, monitoring patients, they're actually doing the administrative work, okay? They are actually uh, putting in claims, right, to get paid from insurance companies or from Medicare, right, from the federal government. So they're doing their administrative duties. Senator Sanders believes that if we eliminate those administrative jobs, we would save over $50 billion a year. And you know what, Senator Sanders, that is quite probably true. We could probably save $50 billion. What about the millions of jobs that those people have that they're going to lose? What are you proposing that these people do? This is what they've been doing for the past five years, for the past 15 years. What happens when they lose their jobs? And it's not only them. If you abolish private insurance, guess what, folks? Every person who had a job at that insurance company no longer has a job. So now we're looking at tens, could be hundreds of millions of people that no longer have a job like that once it's enacted. What are we supposed to do with all these people? You're going to pay them unemployment? Okay. Uh, pretty soon then they're going to be unable to pay for their food. They're going to be unable to pay for their bills. Now they're going to ask to receive some sort of support uh, for food and for money to help pay for their bills. The crime rate's going to go up. It's going to be insane. It's going to be chaos. We're going to have so much more trouble. But I haven't heard one politician bring this up at all about all the money we're going to save over the $50 billion in administrative fees we're going to save. Thanks, uh, Senator Sanders. I appreciate that. But I don't know about those millions and millions and millions of people that are going to lose their job, boom, in a heartbeat. And that's just the tip of the domino. You know how the domino effect is? I mean, really. It's going to affect much, many more people in many more positions. It always does. It's a domino effect. And we are going to be in for a lot of trouble. That's for sure. So, yeah, we're going to save money on administrative charges. Thank you so much, Senator Sanders. Did you even bring up the point about Vermont not being able to make it happen in one state? We couldn't even get universal health care, single payer, and abolishing private insurance in the state of Vermont. How do you expect to do it? for 50 United States and its territories. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen without. And the word you're using is, there will be pain. <laughs> there will be pain. There's going to be a lot of pain, all right, because you're going to have millions of people without a job, and that's just going to be the start. It's making me think of that movie, The Purge. Did you see the movie, The Purge, where they're all running around on that one night killing people because everything is crazy? Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that's what we're looking at here. Let me talk to you about Medicare now and a couple of downfalls that we have now. So one of the things for Medicare now is that there is no cap for the amount of money you would spend if you're on original Medicare. You pay your deductibles and you keep continuously paying out of pocket that 20%. It just goes on and on and on. You know, and for a lot of people that have chronic illnesses, that could be a lot of money and could really cause some people could go into bankruptcy, right? And or having to sell their home and things like that. It, it really could be a burden on a lot of people. So not having a cap on Medicare is a big problem. Why don't they look into that, putting a cap for Medicare? So at a certain amount of money out of pocket, 
for each recipient of Medicare, each beneficiary. They capped it for the annual year, and then Medicare pays the rest for the rest of the year. Next problem. We don't have eyeglasses coverage, we don't have hearing aids coverage, and we don't have dental coverage. Now, I can understand with over 44 million people on Medicare that if you all of a sudden implemented that into Medicare, making that available, we could probably go bankrupt in less than a week, I would think, because everybody would be running out to get a pair of eyeglasses, hearing aids, or dental work. And you know how expensive that is? I know hearing aids, I mean, it's like buying a car. There are so many models of, of hearing aids, it's insane. You could get a hearing aid for a couple hundred dollars. You could get a hearing aid for like $10,000. And they're all in between. It's really literally going to buy a car. Some people can hear great with a $250 model. Some people buy that $10,000 model. They can't hear at all. They still can't hear. It's literally like shopping for a car. It's an awful experience. All right. Eyeglasses. My eyeglasses cost almost $500, okay? And I have health insurance. I can't even imagine for people that are on Medicare that have to pay out of pocket to buy eyeglasses. And dental work, forget about it. It's crazy, right? A dentist can just about charge whatever they want. Do you literally know that if you had a dentist on four corners and you were going to get a wisdom tooth pulled and if you got a quote from all four dentists, all four would be different. All four would be different. They don't have the same regulations as they do for medical doctors. You can negotiate with your dentist. That's the best you've got because you could have dental insurance. Yeah, you could have dental insurance. But dental insurance policies, the majority of them, the majority, have an annual maximum that they will cover. I think if I had a wisdom tooth pulled out and I had the anesthesia, and if I had to go for a follow-up, blah, 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 it's going to cost me well over $1,000. And I've seen plans. I think the most I've ever seen is $3,000. Could there be a plan that covers more than $3,000 maximum per year? Yes, but I haven't seen it. So you're paying a monthly premium for your dental policy, and it's only covering up to around $3,000 worth of work. I think it's a waste of money. Now, there are some plans that you get discounts and there's not a maximum out of pocket. You just pay a discount instead if you uh, go see the dentist that's in their network. Those work pretty good. That's pretty good. And you could also negotiate with the dentist. They know that the insurance would only cover about 40 to 50% of the charge. So why don't you just tell them that? Thank you, Dr. Smith. I know that the insurance is only going to cover probably about 50% of that $2,000 why don't I give you $1,000 on my credit card right now and we'll call it done. Boom. That's all you need to do. And I can understand some of you don't like controversy, don't want to get involved in a conflict or something like that. There may be a type of dental plan where you get a big discount in lieu of the maximum out of pocket might be better for you. But that's the only way around it, folks. So I don't think putting in eyeglasses, hearing aids, and dental into this Medicare for All Act is going to be the answer either because people are going to run out there in the masses. I see it now that they want to get it on Medicare Advantage plans. 
they offer supplemental benefits. Okay, these are additional to Medicare benefits. And a lot of them will offer you up to $200 towards eyeglasses, uh, up to $2,000 for dental benefits, up to $300, $1,000 for, um, you know, hearing aids. So I see them every day, and I know how much the costs are, and it would be a stampede to go get these benefits if this got implemented. I, I really don't see how this is going to work, not the way they're talking about it. They really should be handling this slowly. They could also work on what we've got, okay? I, I'm not giving you the definitive answer here, okay? I'm just strictly an opinion. I love Medicare. I love the Medicare program. The majority of the Medicare program is beautiful, and it does have some faults. I brought up some of those with you. Another major part of Medicare that there's a problem is all the fraud that is going on with Medicare and the waste that goes on, okay, in the healthcare community where they overcharge or double charge and things happen for charges that didn't even happen, it didn't even occur, right? And people stealing people's identification and doing this and that. I mean, it is registering to over I, I, over $52 billion a year. Billion. $52 billion a year is wasted in Medicare payouts because of fraud, waste, and abuse. So that is definitely something that really needs to be targeted because if we could get a quarter of that back each year, that is a huge amount of savings that we could utilize back in the program, okay? When they talk about how it won't be solvent in 2030, well, this is one of the big reasons. It really is. It is not because of any of you who require to use your benefits, okay? When the trustees bring that out, I'm sorry, that's a crock. That is not true, okay? Majority of it is because of fraud, and waste and abuse. We need to get more investigators and put them on there. Let's hire a hundred investigators, excellent investigators, so that they can investigate fraud, waste and abuse, and let's get that money back. The few, the million dollars, the not even a million dollars that you would spend on their salaries, they would we, we would get billions back from having them on, and that's all they were dedicated to. So we need to work on that Medicare fraud, big thing. So besides that, I love our program. Uh, doctors and in the healthcare, the providers are constantly every year arguing about what they're getting paid because the doctors and the hospitals, okay, they get paid uh, by Medicare a, a certain amount. Okay, it's a fee for service. That's what it's called, a right? fee for service. And they're getting paid a specific amount based on the patient. So when the doctor sees you, they see you, they're going to get paid a, special, a certain amount for that. Now, depending upon where they are when they're treating you, if they're in a rural community, they might get paid more because they're further out. There's not as much competition. And then it depends upon the complex care that you're receiving. That could also add to that amount how much the doctor gets paid. A hospital is going to get paid when you are re released from the hospital and they don't want to see you back. 
So they're going to get money based on other criteria, but also keeping you out of the hospital. If you come back into the hospital within a certain amount of time, they're actually going to get penalized for you having to come back to the hospital. So for that fee for service, there's a lot of criteria that goes into it. And doctors have been getting paid the same way for the past over 10 years. And they have tried to change it. Okay, they have tried to change it. And for 17, 17 times in a row, Congress has put the kibosh on it. They put the kibosh on it because they couldn't figure out how to change how doctors get paid. This is what's going on now. So this is what's going on now. Do you really think they're going to be able to solve and fund this Medicare for all in two years? It's not happening. It's not happening. As soon as they, they do something like this, doctors are going to be really upset because they're going to want to reduce payment then. They're going to want to reduce payment. They're starting a new act. It's going to be signed into law. They want to reduce the doctor's payments. The doctors are going to have a heart attack. And they're not going to want to be practicing anymore. Do you know that only almost half of the doctors licensed in the United States are 55 and older? That's right. Almost half are 55 and older. So imagine now, if this goes into effect and they reduce their pay, do you think those doctors want to stick around and practice? Just saying. They want to get paid too, just like everybody else out there. We have minimum wage laws. Everybody wanted to go up to $15. We understand, right? So think about the doctors. They want to get an increase in pay also, and they haven't been able to get that in over 10 years. So they're going to be looking for that if this goes into effect. Also, think about waiting for services. Have you ever talked to a person from Canada or from Great Britain? They have universal coverage. Have you not ever spoke to them saying they were here because they were coming here to get an MRI because they were told they would have to wait eight months to get an MRI? That happens with universal care because you have to wait because everybody's running to get these tests now. Okay, it's very different when all of a sudden the doors are wide open and available for you to see a doctor, to go get treatment, to go to a hospital, because they're all going to be under the one roof now, right? So there is going to be waiting times. And what that is, I don't know. But you definitely will have to wait way longer than you're waiting now to get specialized tests, diagnostic tests, certain specialists are going to have to wait. Your taxes are going to go through the roof. Crazy amount of money in taxes. And uh, I think you're going to see a shortage of doctors because a lot of them are not going to stand for the reduction in pay that this program is going to force them to take because they've got to fund this. They've got to fund this thing. So that's what we're talking about. There you go. There's your Medicare for All Act of 2019. What do you think? What do you think? Does it sound good to you? It sounds good. It sounds great. When they're all standing on the stage talking about a universal health care for all men, women, and children. Don't pay any premiums. You don't have to pay any co-pays. You don't have to pay co-insurance. Go see any doctor you want. Go to any hospital you want. <laughs> Go where you want. Keep the doctors. But they're not telling you that there's going to be long waits. 
they're not telling you that there could be a exodus of doctors and we could have a severe shortage of doctors, of nurses, uh, physicians' assistants, uh, advanced practical nurses. I mean, we could have a major shortage. There are so many issues that need to be addressed, people. And I just want you to understand, and I'm putting these issues and some facts on the table for you so that you can understand what's going on. A politician is never just going to tell you the way it is because they just want to get elected. <laughs> That's how that is, okay? They want to get elected, and they're going to say what they want to say, so they get elected. But these are the hard facts. I would love universal health coverage for every single one of us. Every person that's born in here, from being born till the day you die, we all would love that. But you have to come up with the right way to do this. You can't implement something like this in two years. You can't implement something like this in four years. It's just not going to happen without dire consequences. Why don't we start somewhere and take it slow? People, they have talked about uh, adding like people that are 55 and above into Medicare. Okay, maybe we could try something like that. Why don't we try starting to add people that are 55 and above into Medicare, and maybe they have to pay for it. I'm over 55. I love Medicare. I would love to be on Medicare, right? So for people that want to get and have Part A of Medicare, right? So that's your hospitalization. It covers hospice, and that's for skilled nursing facilities and some health, home health care, right? If you have to work 40 quarters of your life or 10 consecutive years that you've paid into that FICA, I, I just went over that for you before, right? It's currently at 1.45% of your, the tax on your paycheck. So you had to work 10 years in a row or 40 quarters in order to be eligible for Medicare Part A for free, no monthly premium for you. Some people don't make it. They didn't work all those quarters. So you could buy Part A of Medicare. So for people that work for 20 to 29 quarters, they could purchase Medicare right now in 2019 for $240 a month. That's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. Okay, I've seen uh, some Obamacare plans. My God, I've talked to people. They've had to pay $1,200, $1,200 a month. Okay. I've seen people paying 200 and something all the way up. I mean, it's crazy how much money. Why not ask and see if the people that are 55 and older would want to buy into Medicare until they're 65 and pay 240 a month and then have the same conditions of Medicare that everybody else has. Pay their deductibles, pay their co-insurance, pay their co-payment. That's possible, right? And then maybe the year after that, maybe you start adding some children. Maybe you start adding the children that, that are born up to five years of age. I don't know, but just do it slow. <laughs> then maybe raise the payroll and income taxes in short increments. My God, I don't want to see a 10, 15, 20% raise on our taxes. Do it slow and small and have a cap. And then that's it. You know, so we're paying 1.45% tax for Medicare. Okay, bring it up to two. Right? Let's do things slow and smart. Let's not rush into this. Let's take it slow. That's a possibility. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but there are so many other options we could look at too. You can also look at Obamacare. 
Okay, look at Obamacare and try to fix it. Take the good things about it and keep it and start taking some of the other parts that just not are not working and let's fix that or get rid of that part. Let's work together as a nation and do this together so that we can help and get people coverage. All citizens. And I like to say that as citizens, okay, should be able to get health insurance. You've worked your whole life for it. You've worked your whole life. <sighs> it's a big topic, folks. It's a big topic. So I just wanted to help you with this topic so that you could pay attention now as you're following with the Democratic uh, candidates. You know, because uh, the Republican candidates, they're not for, okay, the Medicare for all. They want to either get rid of Obamacare and have your private insurance, or they want to work on the Obamacare and try to fix that a bit progressive, being progressive, or they'll have other options, other public-private options involved. So this is what's trending now is, is the Democratic candidates. So I just wanted to give you an idea of what this is all about, but to keep your mind open and don't get that tunnel vision of just watching them on the stage and listening to all the fame and glory that you're talking about with this program. There are so many pitfalls that they just don't talk about, but you need to know it. You need to know about it. So that you can tell, okay, your senators how you feel about this. Whether you think this is something that could happen. Or maybe you even have a great solution. Bring it up. Send it to your senator. Okay, write your senator. Call your senator. Go visit your senator and tell them your solution, your idea to help. That would be great. We need more people involved. And we need more people to be talking honestly, in the open, like minds together. This is what we need out there. So now you have a good general information about Medicare for All, what it is, what each of the candidates generally, where they fall in regards to Medicare for All, and some of the major pitfalls that are behind it right now. So th that's what we're talking about for Medicare for All. Uh, it's going to be October real soon. Right, let me tell you, if you have any questions or you have any comments and you want to send them to me, please send me an email and send it to support at TheMedicareNation.com. All right. I'll be happy to take your questions or your comments, and I'd love to discuss them with you. Now, October's coming up. That means October 15th starts the annual enrollment period. I'll be back, uh, hopefully, at the end of October after I talk to Michael after he feels better, and I'm going to tell you about the changes for Medicare that'll be available for 2020. So we'll talk about all that. But I know a lot of you are getting nervous, wanting to know what those are. And for any of you that are turning 65, forget it. I know you're getting inundated in your mailbox with all kinds of mail that are coming in from all the insurance companies begging you to be on their plan, right? Throw all that out. If it doesn't say the Administration for Social Security you don't need it. Anything that has a private insurance company name on it, just toss it out. All it is is marketing materials. They want to be incentivizing, incentivizing you to get on their plan. That's all it is. They just want you as a customer because Medicare pays them a lot of money for you to be on their plan. They get paid a bulk of money per person that's on their plan as a budget. And then they will utilize that money for you 
and they have to stay within that budget. So the more people they get, the more money they get. So just throw that out, okay? Go on Medicare.gov. Not the best resource to go to. You can certainly go to my website, themedicarenation.com. I have information on there about what's part A, what's part B, all that kind of stuff, and a couple of videos. And, of course, you could always ask me a question. I always answer my own emails. I don't hire a virtual assistant or anything like that. As long as I can answer your question in one paragraph or less, I'm happy to do it, folks. I really, really am. If I can't answer it, hey, then you got to hire me as a consultant. That's all I can tell you. I write emails every day to try to help as many of you as I can. And you certainly can check out the podcast. Please listen to Medicare Nation. Get on your uh, smartphones if you have an iPhone uh, just check the purple microphone, and then you'll be able to listen to Medicare Nation. Just put it in the search box, Medicare Nation. It comes right up. And if you have an Android phone, then uh, get on one of the platforms there. You can get on Stitcher, like a person who stitches. Uh, you can get on Himalaya. You can get on Podcoin. There's so many different players for Android. Again, just in the search box, just type in Medicare Nation and listen to the show. I have almost 100 episodes all things about Medicare and all kinds of resources available that you can listen to about some of the major organizations in the United States uh, that have excellent resources for people with chronic illnesses like diabetes, lung disease, heart disease. And I talk with the uh, major representatives and directors for some of those associations. So check that out. Okay. And you can always contact me, send me an email, ask me a question, anything that's coming up. Uh, during the year for Medicare plans. Well, it has been absolutely fun sitting here talking to all of you this evening. Again, I'm here for your host, Michael Banner, good friend. I hope he feels better. He has not been feeling well for the past few weeks. He's really got a really bad ailment right now, and I wish him the best and a speedy recovery. Uh, you should send him a card and send him an email on the site and let him know that you were watching and you were thinking of him and that you missed him a lot, okay? Uh, because there's nobody like Michael Banner on the 62 Who Knew show, okay? So if you have any questions, again, send them to me at support at themedicarenation.com. Thank you all so much for watching this evening. Uh, I'm just really honored to be here and to see all of you. It's been a blast. Uh, I've totally enjoyed myself. Look where I'm sitting. I'm sitting in the nerd house or something like that, the nerd corner or the nerd talks or whatever this is. Look at all this stuff I'm surrounded with. It's a lot of fun, huh? It's pretty cool. Look at all this stuff. Neat. I love this stuff. I grew up with Batman and Superman and Star Wars and all this stuff. Honored to be sitting at the nerd table. Pretty cool, right? All right. And other than that, I'm going to be watching football. I love my football and my baseball. My New York Yankees, don't hate me if you're not a New York Yankee fan. Listen, we all got our own teams we got to watch, right? Uh, but it's going to be a very interesting for sports. So I just want you to know I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Hey, we haven't won in almost 10 years. I know we've won 27 championships. I'm not trying to be greedy. It's been almost 10 years. So I'm ready. I would love a Los Angeles Dodger Yankee World Series. That's what I want. Hey, and in football, Buffalo, 2-0. San Francisco, 2-0. Do you know the last time San Francisco was 2-0? They went on to win the Super Bowl. How do you like that, huh? There you go. So that's going to be a watch out for Buffalo and San Francisco this year. Could be a big sleeper. That's all I'm going to say. I love sports. I should have a sports show, right? You're talking about a sports show. The nerd thing got me going about sports. 
I could talk about Medicare all day, but I think you're tired of it. I didn't want to get into anything that we're going to talk about later because we're going to talk about changes next month. So I just want to thank you, Michael, so much. And uh, it was a privilege to be sitting in your chair this evening. Well, even though it's the nerd table, it's still your set. So it's been a privilege, my friend, and I hope you feel better. And to um, Colin Castle from the sales director at Homestead Senior Care. A lot of people need someone to come in the house to take care of their parents and their loved ones. So give Colin Castle a call. Go back. It's episode 50. Episode 50. Check it out. This is episode 52. So check out Colin on episode 50 and find out more about Homestead Senior Care. It's very important to have people come in, take care of the things that Medicare does not. That's for sure. Long-term care and custodial care, Medicare doesn't cover it. It's not going to either, folks. We've already got enough problems with the Medicare for All Act. Not going to cover it. But thanks again, folks. I really enjoyed myself this evening, and I look forward to seeing you guys in hey, about, about three or four weeks, I hope. We'll be here soon.